everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Unfounded Podcast. My name is Christopher Turner. I am your host, and I hope you're doing well. It's been about a week and a half since I've been on here, and I'm glad to be back on. Uh, as I said before in the previous episode, computer's up and running, got everything dialed in, and uh, I feel I feel rejuvenated. <laughs> um, it was a little bit of a hiccup, a little bit of an obstacle uh, that was in my way um, when this computer went down, and it threw a little bit of a kink in my step for lack of a better way of describing it. So it's uh, good to have that obstacle out of the way. And it's funny I use the word obstacle because that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning. Uh, it is Wednesday morning here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. It's cooling down uh, somewhat at least. This, this summer was brutal here. And moving from Colorado and going from the winters to right into a, a pretty, pretty <laughs> ruthless summer uh, was something, but you know, it um, going from one extreme to the other kind of makes you appreciate both in a weird way. Um, but anyway, I digress. Let's go ahead and get into it. So I've been kind of contemplating where I want to take this podcast. You know, as I said in the previous episode, a lot of the episodes that I was doing before this were. I think oriented for me towards kind of a certain, a specific, you know, set of obstacles that I had in my life. When I say obstacles, I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I, and you'll see what I mean as I talk more in this episode, but that I had some things in my life that I hadn't sorted out properly. And in order to sort those things out properly, I had to go through the steps that I described in these previous episodes to get to a place where I could kind of see them for what they are. Um, for keys not barriers and I want to start off today's episode and I want to kind of continue this on trend I want to kind of make this uh, podcast malleable I don't want to get too set in how like a structure of it because that structure I think that rigidity is what kills things honestly so I, I want it to be malleable I want it to 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 morph as the times morph and man oh man are we in a time when things are changing it's scary but before I get into that <laughs> uh, what I've been trying to get to here is that I want to start episodes with some of the, the philosophies and quotes from philosophers and thinkers throughout history that have influenced me and specifically ones that I'm drawn to in this specific period of time. You know, all the all the, the heartache and sorrow and the suffering and the pain that's going on in the world right now, the confusion. I think there's a lot of um, wisdom we can pull out of people that have come before us and people that have seen these kind of things play out on a grand scale before. We could use a little advice, I think. <laughs> And so to start off this, um, I don't know, new uh, segment, I'm going to start with a very, very influential philosopher, one that deeply influenced me and influences me to this day. Um, I've referred to him before, but his name is Marcus Aurelius. And what I want to do really quick is read you the quote. And then I want to go ahead and describe to you a little bit about Marcus Aurelius and who he was. And then we're going to go on and talk a little more in depth about how we can apply that quote to today. Okay? How we can take some of the experiences he experienced in the past and try to pull him, bring him in, into the modern day. Now, I haven't done this ahead of time. I've gone and pulled up the quote, and I've pulled up a little short biography on History Channel um, of Marcus Aurelius. And I'm going to go through those for you. But uh, we're going to put these dots together uh, in real time. Right, there's no editing going on here. So let's see what we can pull out of Marcus Aurelius. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. That's a quote by Marcus Aurelius. Now we're gonna talk about that more in depth, but let me go into reading a little bit more about Marcus. This is a um, History Channel article. It was updated on June 10th, 2019. It's about Marcus Aurelius. Uh, it doesn't have a listed author that I can see here, but it is on historychannel.com, and I will post this for you. 
so that you uh, it looks like it's the authors of history.com editors all right um, so that you can access it yourself and read it yourself if you'd like to but I'm going to read from this because I think it has a pretty succinct way of, of describing Marcus Aurelius and his life um, objectively so here we go sorry for the pauses for some reason I'm holding my breath this morning guys I don't know why I'm doing that so this is an odd thing. Let me pause this for a second. Hear, can you hear it in my voice? In, in, in kind of my breathing? That little bit of a wavering? There's tricky ways in which I think your spirit, your soul, your being communicates to you physically. One of them can be in this kind of way. Like I'm kind of showing you right now. And I don't know why it's there. We're going to figure it out. But I'm kind of in anxiety. This trembling. This physical manifestation of an emotional state. Those, th those, those things are important. It's important to watch those in yourself and not try to hide them like I kind of just started to do. I don't know if you listened to that. I was had this little bit of a shortness of breath for the first couple minutes. But one of the funny things, and one of the things we just I can kind of pull out of that quote before we read about Marcus, the obstacle becomes the way. Right? That's another way to say that. This quote has been distilled down into essentially the obstacle becomes the way. What scares you, what, the things you want to hide, the things you want to turn away from, the things you want to run away from are exactly what you need. You have to watch yourself. It's a very odd process to habituate. Anyway, let's move on to Marcus. Marcus Aurelius. This is by the History.com editors. Known for his philosophical interests, Marcus Aurelius was one of the most respected emperors in Roman history. He was born into a wealthy and political prominent family. Growing up, Marcus Aurelius was a dedicated student, learning Latin and Greek. But his greatest intellectual interest was Stoicism, a philosophy that emphasized fate, reason, and self-restraint. Discourses written by a former slave and Stoic philosopher Epictetus had a great deal of influence over Marcus Aurelius. Early life. His serious and hard-working nature was even noticed by Emperor Hadrian. After his earlier choice for a successor died, Hadrian adopted Titus Aurelius and Toninus, who would be known as Emperor Pius Anton Antonius to succeed him as an emperor. Hadrian also arranged for Antoninus to adopt Marcus Aurelius and the son of his early successor. Around the age of 17, Marcus Aurelius became the son of Antoninus. He worked alongside his adopted father while learning the ways of government and public affairs, entry into politics. In 140, Marcus Aurelius became consul or leader of the Senate, a post he would hold two more times in his lifetime. As the years passed, he received more responsibilities and official powers, evolving into a strong source of support and counsel for Antoninus. Marcus Aurelius also continued his philosophical studies and developed an interest in law. Along with this burgeoning career, Marcus Aurelius seemed to have a content, contented personal life. He married Faustina, the emperor's daughter, in 145. Together they had many children, though some did not live for long. Best known are their daughters, Lucilla and son Commodus becoming emperor. After his adopted father died, adoptive father died, in 161, Marcus Aurelius rose to power and was officially then known as Marcus Aurelius Antoninus Augustus. Some long names, huh? While some sources indicate that Antoninus selected him as his only successor, Marcus Aurelius insisted that his adopted brother served as his co-ruler. His brother was Lucius, was Lucius Aurelius Verus Augustus, usually referred to as Verus. Unlike the peaceful and prosperous rule of Antoninus, the joint reign of the two brothers was marked by war and disease. In the 160s, they battled with the Parthian Empire for control over lands in the east. Varus oversaw the war effort while Marcus Aurelius stayed in Rome. Much of their success in this conflict has been attributed to the generals working under Varus, especially Avidus and Cassius. He was later made governor of Syria. Returning soldiers brought some type of disease back and then with them to Rome, which lingered for years and wiped out a portion of the population. As the Parthian War ended, the two rulers had to face another military conflict with German tribes in the late 160s. German tribes 
crossed the Danube River and attacked Roman city. After raising the necessary funds and troops, Marcus Aurelius and Varus went off to fight the invaders. Varus died in 169, so Marcus Aurelius pushed on alone, attempting to drive away the Germans. Challenged, excuse me, challenged his authority. In 175, he faced another challenge, this time for his very position. After hearing a rumor about Marcus Aurelius being deathly ill, Avidius Cassius claimed the title of emperor for himself. This forced Marcus Aurelius to travel to the east to regain control, but he did not have to fight Cassius as he was murdered by his own soldiers. Instead, Marcus Aurelius toured eastern provinces with his wife, reestablishing his authority. Unfortunately, Faustina died during the trip. While once again battling the German tribes, Marcus Aurelius made his son Commodus his co-ruler in 177. Together they fought the northern em enemies of the empire. Marcus Aurelius even hoped to extend the empire's borders through, the, through this conflict, but Marcus Aurelius did not live long enough to see this vision to completion. Marcus Aurelius died on March 17, 180. His son Commodus became emperor and soon ended the northern military efforts. Marcus Aurelius, however, is not best remembered for the wars he waged, but for his contemplative nature and his rule driven by reason. A collection of his thoughts have been published in a work called The Meditations. Based on his stoic beliefs, the work is filled with his notes on life. All right. So sorry if that was a little lengthy for you at all, but I wanted to read you a little bit about Marcus and who he was. I know that doesn't do a very doesn't do the man justice that little brief synopsis of his life, but um, there's a couple things you can pull out of that if you if you kind of sit back for a second and think about who he was on the, on the surface. Um, this was an emperor of Rome, the biggest, most powerful empire in the world at the time, and this also happened almost two thousand years ago. Okay. One of the things that I found with Marcus that really speaks to me is he held the highest office in the land. He had everything as at his disposal. Right? He he occupied the powerful the most powerful spot you can have, yet he chose to not indulge in that. And it's something that they didn't cover very much in this um in this synopsis of his life. He constantly chose to take his to take on the hurdles that were placed in front of him. As you may have pulled out a couple there's a couple, you know, parts of his life. Most a lot of his life was not fun. He was battling disease. He's trying to battle, you know, usurpers, people trying to over overthrow him, his wife passing away, you know, having children that die early in 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 uh young, right? A lot of pain. A lot of suffering for a man that holds that much power. There's a couple lessons in that as well, right? No man's above suffering. Don't many try to escape it with money. No man's above suffering. It's a lesson you can learn from Marcus. There's another lesson that I think this quote summarizes that we can pull from his life that I think is very useful to me at least right now and I think could be useful to a lot of you out there listening to this right now. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. The obstacle is the way. Now you've probably heard a lot of especially, you know, more religious and spiritual people talk about the way or the path or the, you know, especially in the Western religions, you know, there's this reference in Christianity to the way, or the, you know, the, the path less traveled, right? And I think this is partially what Marcus speaks of here. Now, when you think about it, you know, probably before when it's been referenced, it's, it, it seems to be kind of this, fantastical thing the way the path as if there's this map or this this yellow brick road that you can follow all the way to absolution right and paradise but i don't think that's the reason for this reference in the western religions and i think that there's a reason that this the eastern religions refer to um enlightenment or the path to enlightenment as the way because there's a very specific path you can choose to walk in life. It is the path less traveled. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. The trick is, you're the thing that interprets that. 
You're the thing that decides. And so let's say, oftentimes you may you can find a trivial example of this in your own life if you want to, but oftentimes we will have, when it, rain, it rains, it pours, right? Um, you, I'm sure you've experienced this. You'll have a day where you wake up and it starts off on the wrong foot. Maybe you, you stub your toe or something and then you spill the milk because you're focusing on your toe and then you have to clean up the milk, but you uh, forget to, you know, start the washer and then your clothes aren't ready. And then, you know, it kind of snowballs, right? When it rains, it pours. Well, one of the tendencies we as human beings have, and I think Marcus Aurelius is pointing it out in this quote, is that we have this tendency to um, place ourselves in the victim archetype. Now, we don't only do this with other people in the world itself. We do this kind of with our personal lives in a weird way you know if you if you if you think about you know the world is divided into spheres concentric concentric circles of sorts and you're at the center of that concentric circle network and as you go out there's these little networks of people you know as you broaden that out as you get you get to kind of society as at large you're in the middle right in the smallest circle that's a perspective that's a perspective right that perspective is a different way of experiencing the world when you're in that perspective when you're when you're alone let's say when when you're um maybe specifically when you're suffering alone like in that little you know, trivial example i gave you we have a tendency to to allow ourselves to place ourselves in a victim space as if the universe itself is the thing that's making that happen or god himself is the thing that's making that happen something outside ourselves is the things that are is making us suffer and there's this anger and resentment that you'll feel that will build and this bitterness in which you'll approach the rest of that day if you allow yourself because you're allowing the impediment to impede you're allowing that to happen impediments exist period partially what makes life interesting and worthwhile is having a mountain to climb. You don't want to walk on a flat surface with nothing to see around you. You want to go up through, you want to hike mountains. You want to, you want to, you explore forests. You want to, you want to see waterfalls. You want to, you know, climb to peaks. View different vantage points. That doesn't happen without differentiation. That differentiation is suffering. When we place ourselves in that in that victim spot, especially when we do it in our personal spheres, what you're doing is you're blaming the universe, the world, God, for the suffering you're experience, as experiencing, as trivial as it may be. And so what you have to do is watch yourself. And what you'll find is if you chase down, you know, if, let's say you're at the end of the day, you know, that day didn't, it unfolded exactly as you expected, right? You're in that victim spot. You're looking and expecting for the universe to deal out another, you know, helping of suffering. And so you find it throughout the entire day, <laughs> all the way up to the end. And then you, you just stumble across the finish line, quotation marks, of that day. And you look back on it and you look up and you say, what the hell? What was that about? <laughs> you know I know we've all been there the funny thing is most people stop there this is usually when you'll turn to a glass of wine or a cigarette or a you know maybe maybe you smoke weed maybe you, you light up then whatever maybe it's something more more um maybe it's a different substance no judgments <laughs> right Whatever, whatever your crutch of choice, <laughs> I have mine as well, obviously. But we'll lean on that crutch. Like I was saying in last episode, those crutches have a, at least nicotine for me, has a tricky way luring me in. 
Because when I'm in that painful state, when I'm in that victim state, when I'm looking at my past day or the past month or whatever time frame I choose to, you know, compartmentalize, I'll, I'll, I'll tell myself when I'm in that suffering, if I allow myself, that the only way I can, can handle the weight of all of that suffering is to have a little help. Just need a little help. So you grab for that. That help. The devil's a trickster. Not all helping hands are there to help you. <laughs> Instead of what you can do of taping that, taking that quotation marks helping hand that crutch and leaning on it and allowing yourself to go over the day in your mind and pick it apart and relive it in a sick, twisted way. What you can do is you can sit in that suffering a little bit, that feeling. Have you ever done that? At the end of a hard day, just sit. What you'll find will happen if you resist that urge to take something to distract yourself, to take the helping hand, what you'll find is you'll automatically start figuring out where you went wrong. You obscure that path when you say the hurdle's too big for me to handle by myself, when you take that helping hand, when you take that, that puff of smoke or that drink or whatever it is. Maybe it's people themselves. When you call somebody that and offload your burdens on them when you know it's something you should be handling. People can be crutches too. Other people can be crutches for you. It's a tough lesson a lot of people are learning right now. If you don't take that, if you allow yourself to sit in it, you'll start to, by default, figure out where you went wrong in that day or that week or that month. Because the pain that you're going to feel from placing yourself into victim space and saying that the universe is something that's having, making this happen, it's going to create a pain inside of you because you are helpless in that state. When you place yourself in, yourself in that state, I know a lot of people don't like to hear this victim talk, but it's true. When you place yourself in that victimhood state, you take the control away from yourself from helping the situation. How can you change something the universe is controlling? dealing out to you so you just have to take your lashes and smile if you're if, if that's what you're holding is true as you as a victim nobody likes that it's a very uncomfortable place to be if you sit in that for even a couple minutes you'll start to want to figure a way out of it if you allow yourself to if you don't try to vindicate that feeling in other people Oftentimes what people will do is and they'll find other people that are suffering as well and they'll be like, oh man, you share this perspective. You see how shitty all this is. Let's, let's say how shitty it is together. <laughs> let's describe how, how bad the world's been to us together. Let's lean on each other in that nasty way and allow ourselves to be crutches for each other. To take the burden of changing the situation away from ourselves. Maybe even sometimes put it on that other person. Oh, you're the reason I'm thinking this way. You're the reason I'm not taking action. You're the reason that... <laughs> it's all you. It's always you. When I say you, I mean me too. You have to get yourself in a place where you choose to sit in those uncomfortable feelings. You choose to forgo the crutch. You choose to take the path that scares the absolute living shit out of you. Because once you do, 
I promise you, you're going to figure something out. There's something that I figured out doing this and applying this in my life. And it's something like what Marcus Aurelius is describing in this quote. That you do have what it takes to face down your fears. You do have all of that capacity to take on whatever it is you're scared of. The trouble with that, the hardest part about it, is you have to choose it. You have to choose to go into battle, to face down the dragon, to stop running. As soon as you do, there's a strength you'll find. Maybe not right away, but you start winning battles, you start realizing something about yourself. Oh, I'm a warrior. Oh, I am the thing that can do this. And then what do you start to do? When you realize you're something you never realized you were, you realize you're a warrior. What do you do? You find dragons to slay. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. You have to choose. The hardest time, the, the, the hardest part of this, applying this in your life, is the first time you choose to stare down your, the first dragon, whatever it is. Because it'll be the time when you don't feel like you have any armor, when you've forgotten your sword. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you're, you're sitting there with nothing but cloth on and a, a, a stick, right? But you're choosing to turn around. It's like as soon as you choose to turn around, you realize, oh, the sword and the shield, all of that, it's right there. With It's right there. It's like you've been carrying on your back or something. You didn't realize it was there the whole time. You gain this strength because you're choosing to embody the hero. You're choosing to be the thing that fights back. You're choosing to be the warrior. You're choosing to be something worth being. Something that says, I'm going to advance myself. I'm going to do things that make me suffer. I'm going to choose to do those things because I can handle it. I am the thing that can handle it. And I've always been able to handle it. The only reason I haven't up, to this, up until this point is because I've told myself I can't. Because I've turned away. I've put down the sword and the shield. I've given up on myself. There was something I saw this morning on Facebook, I think it was, and it was something, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something like, you're never too far gone. Never. It doesn't matter what you've done in this life, how horrible and, and, and despicable it can be. You're never too far gone to turn around and pick up the sword and the shield and say, hey, I'm better than this. stronger than this sorry for the background noise I have some landscaping going on around my apartment right now guys but once you find that kind of strength it, 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 it invigorates you and it makes you want to look for those hurdles it makes you want to look for those obstacles um, and there's also a curious thing that happens when you start to make that a habitual thing um, there's an addictive quality to it one that almost feels like masochism, <laughs> uh, but isn't really. Guys, I'm going to pause this for one second. Sorry about that, just so that this guy can go by, because it's very distracting. I'll be back in like five minutes. Sorry about that, guys. I'm back with you. Just took him about five minutes to get by. He's doing leaf blowing, so <laughs> it was a little distracting. Sorry about that. But I was talking about how it can feel like almost a masochistic act when you, you, you constantly choose to allow what it feels like initially is suffering into your life. Because the act of running away, the act of using crutches, um, feels like a defense against suffering. 
when you're using them that way. But it doesn't halt suffering. It doesn't. It doesn't kill the the the, the monster. It it allows them to grow. Let's go back to the example I was using. Your day started off bad, right? And you're in, you're sitting at the end of the day, and you're you're trying to figure out. Let's say you choose to not accept that crutch. You choose to sit on it. You choose to to look at the at the bad day. And to say, hey, something went wrong here. This didn't happen to me. I did this in some way. Maybe the end of your day, you got in a big argument with one of your coworkers, and that's what's on your mind at this this point in time, the most recent thing, right? And so you're like, man, I didn't like the way that conversation went. But if you look at it, you ask yourself a hard question, unfounded questions, right? Like, why did I do that? Why did we fight? What part did I have to play in that argument, in that escalation? Because every argument's an escalation. Two people would play there. What role did I have in that? Well, I was agitated. Why was I agitated? Well, because at lunch, somebody took my lunch. Okay. Well, why were you hungry? Why were you, well, I was starving, right? Yeah. Somebody took my lunch and then I, it wasn't there. And I was starving because I hadn't eaten breakfast. I hadn't eaten breakfast. Because I spilled the milk. Why did you spill the milk? Because I stubbed my toe and it hurt and I wasn't paying attention. Okay. Let's stop there. You got do- a little dose of suffering at the beginning of your day. <laughs> a little dose of pain. And when that pain suffering comes, it always comes unintentionally, unexpected. Or at least the times when pain and suffering comes unexpectedly in unexpected ways, it's the times that it hurts the most. And so as trivial as a stub toe can sound, the metaphor applies. You can expand that outward and upward into bigger forms of suffering. So you get up out of that bed and you get that little tiniest dose of pain and suffering, but it's unexpected and so it, it rocks you. And so what do you do? Ah, that hurts. Well... You try to run away from it. Ah, it hurts. Ow. You push through. I gotta get going. I gotta get going. You try to walk it off, right? You try to get through it. While you're trying to do that, you're going and grabbing the milk, but you're not paying attention to the milk because the pain is there. You're feeling it still. You haven't allowed yourself to feel it fully and and, and allow it to subside. It's the only way it subsides is for you to feel it. And so you're distracted and and you end up making a bigger mistake, a bigger mess of things with all the milk because you're not allowing that pain to exist. You're running away from it. And outward, outward it grows. All the way through your day, culminating in an argument that was seemingly unrelated. Now, all of those are very trivial examples, and they're all, you know, (laughs) ones I made up on the spot. But I think you get the point, and I hope it applies to some kind of situation or specific experience you've gone through before. Because I think this, um, this sort of pattern is repeatable. It happens often in your life that you'll 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 get something unexpected, some unexpected form of suffering, and you'll allow it to to make you fearful. Sorry, guys. One more pause. He's back. <laughs> All right. We'll see if we can't get through this without a pause in ten minutes. It's a good example, guys. Actually, of kind of what I'm talking about. That often we want our lives to unfold in a very specific way. We plan, we logic our way uh, into creating these maps that we think are the only way we can the only way we can navigate this world is to think our way out of it. But that often the universe it nudges you in weird ways. Like a man with a leaf blower. Now there's a couple things I could have done with that, right? One, I could have pushed through it. But I realize something about myself in this journey and one of that is 
that is that I, I tend to get frustrated when I try to overlook things that annoy me. <laughs> right? When I don't allow that annoyance to kind of sit there and, 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 and distill on its own. Because it does. When I sit in the annoyance and I allow it to, to kind of flow, it flows out of me. Right? And so I could have chosen to ignore that and push through, but what that would have produced is something of an agitation in the rest of this podcast that I, I think would have drawn away from the message I'm trying to bring here. And also it would have been a bad example of facing down your obstacles. But I also could have done what I did and said, hey, maybe that's a sign that I need to pause here for some reason. Maybe the universe is telling me, hey, Maybe you don't always do this, but you need a 10-minute breather right now. And it's surprising because as I took that 10 minutes, I was thinking about everything we've been talking about. And it made me think about a couple different things. One, that suffering that I was talking about, that, that stubbed toe, that unexpected source of pain that when you don't allow it, allow yourself to sit in that pain, to experience the pain as much as you don't want to feel it, to feel it, you'll notice it has like a a numbing effect to it. Not like a bad numbing, like a distilling or a, a, a flowing of the pain, allowing it to go through you. You stub your toe and you, ah, and you feel it. Maybe you sit down and you massage your toe or you examine it. Make sure that you're okay. Right? Make sure that you're good to go on and get the milk before you do. And I think that attaches very nicely to what I was just talking about with the man (laughs) and the leaf blower. Because that kind of annoyance to me is is a source of pain. It's a certain type of pain that I feel. It's a it's a it's a unavoidable thing, right? Some aspect of me that finds certain interruptions, I guess, aggravating at a deep level. And that that aggravation, when unreleased, and when you don't release it, it has a way of building. And the only way to release it is to look at it, to pull it apart, to feel it, (laughs) and then it goes away. I think there's a lot of people suffering right now. I think that in many ways the coronavirus is a big hurdle for a lot of people. I think that it's putting pressure on relationships. I think it's bringing out the fact that people aren't only dependent on vice itself, on things, substances, but on people, like I said earlier. That this isolation has a way of bringing out the real you with whether you want it to or not. So what does that mean? Well, it means if your crutch is in some way a person, and that relationship in whatever manifestation isn't based on the real you or the other person's real identity, then that isolation is going to bring a lot of pain. a lot of uh, suffering and heartache. And I think this is a certain type of pain that a lot of people are experiencing right now as well. That's to recognize that there are times when people become unhealthy for us. And oftentimes it's not because they did something wrong to you or it never is because only because they did something hurtful or wrong to you. It's oftentimes because you weren't honest with yourself. 
And not being honest with yourself is in some ways the worst form of running away. That there is ways in which, even if the vice itself is, like I said in the previous episode, the switch, taking the control outside of yourself where you have to use that thing to solve your problems, even though that may be true, at least people oftentimes can sort through their problems with, let's say, nicotine. Maybe not with alcohol or other ones, of the more serious drugs, but I think with... I don't know, I'm going to take that back, guys. I don't know if that's true. The, the only way to sort through your problems, honestly, is to do it unfiltered. That you can't, you can't use a filter like a vice or another person. That you have to know who you are. You have to figure out who you are. And the only way to see that clearly is to have a clear sight. Your perspective to be clear. You honestly can't do that with another person if that other person isn't being honest with themselves as well. You can't, you can't, um, you can't grow together because you don't know what growth means. And so I think this pain is being emphasized right now. At the same time, There's this deeper kind of calling for people to work on themselves because of the isolation as well. Deep work, identity work. And then in the larger sphere of influence, there's this, excuse me, political election going on. This chaos and heated debate over the future of our country and what the country is at a basic level. And it brings me to kind of the other thing I was thinking about when I took that break is that I had a, a good friend message me that I hadn't heard from in a while last week. <clears throat> and she was, um, I, I think the best way to describe it is, is concern. You know, she was, she wanted to know how I felt about everything that's going on in the world, you know, and, and what I felt was happening. And one of the things that came up in that conversation was that there's this fear that I think is obviously what she was feeling, but I felt as well, I knew as as soon as she kind of described it, and I think is probably resounding in most people right now, and it's something like an uncertainty, something like a, a feeling like we're on shaky ground, like there isn't an objective reality, as I've pushed for before in this uncertainty is in some forms a call to action now I don't mean like a call to action to go actively do something in the world I mean a call to action to you because that fear that uncertainty is 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 going to point out certain things inside of you that aren't ready to take it on right (laughs) right If, if you look at it you know why are you afraid of what's going on in the world well If the world is going to be more chaotic, am I the kind of thing that can bring order out of that chaos? Am I the kind of thing that can bring order to my own individual sphere? Can I even do that? Can I bring order to my own life? Can I bring structure to my own life? Can I make my own life, my own sphere, just by myself, something that is enjoyable and something that I love? And can I find a way to love myself short of all of the things that I've used as crutches before? And if I can do that, if I am doing that, and I'm doing that well, then there's some way in which I can try to expand my perspective into a broader sphere of influence, right? I can try to pull a little bit more order out of a little larger soup of chaos but I have to do it in those steps because I have to figure out what I am and what I'm capable of you don't want to bite off more than you can chew (laughs) which I have been guilty of many times and that I think in talking with her I, I 
had a, an affirmation that one of the feelings I've, I, I felt as 2020 came into being at the very beginning of the year was that this is going to be a, something's changing here, folks. Something's different about this time frame. <clears throat> and it is a call to action for you to become the kind of thing that can pull order out of it. Because, we're, because chaos does not necessarily mean bad. Chaos is nature. It's 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 the beautiful lack of specific specific order, right? But it's also dangerous, as as nature is. That out of that chaos comes can come a lot of danger, a lot of destruction wildfires, right? And so there's a necessity for us to align with that chaos as if we were aligning with nature itself, accepting what we really are truly deeply down, what the human being is, a symbiotic biological being that is the thing that determines order in a natural world. And that the way we determine or pull that order out of the natural world is by embodying this in our lives. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. That's how order is created, by individual beings, human beings, going out to the natural world, the chaotic world, a state in which we are devolving back into, and to see the opportunity that lies within it, and to grab for it. But the only way to grab for it and to see it is to know that it lies behind an obstacle. It lies behind some sort of suffering. It lies behind some sort of sacrifice. And that the way that we pull ourselves into a higher form of civilization, a higher being, is for each of us to embody that idea and to do the individual work necessary. And that we need a return to that kind of concept, that we are lacking a spiritual guiding light I don't want to go too much into the, it in this episode because it's getting a little over time right now, or I guess I'd, I could keep talking about it. But I, I do want to kind of touch a little bit on the uh, the debate because I just watched the debate last night. And I think the best thing I could come away with it, away from it saying is, is I don't know. I didn't see these kind of traits embodied on that stage last night by either candidate. I saw ego on both sides. I saw acting on both sides. There's this disingenuous nature in which the political conversation has devolved into that is discouraging deeply. That I'm sure many of you are feeling this discouragement after watching that debate. If you are, I want you to know that what's happening in that sphere of influence is far beyond what you or any individual person could control. It's not something we have direct control over. What's happening on that stage is something that is a product of 
an extremely complex series of decisions made over decades and decades and arguably centuries. And so the solution to that is some kind of remarkably complicated network of individuals identifying their purpose through overcoming the hurdles they see in their lives and continuing to look for more hurdles. And that as more people do that, we have this ability to bring order out of the chaos, a new type of order, a higher form of order, one that's better aligned with a modern society, with all the technology that surrounds us. So that there's no reason to be afraid of what's coming. Whatever it is, no matter how chaotic it is, the only thing you need to do is look into your own personal sphere and find the chaos that exists there. And you start working on that. What is holding you back is what will make you grow. Don't ever let yourself run away from the things that scare you. You're better than that. You weren't meant to do that. You were meant to fight. And that brings me to my last point before we sign off here. It is September 30th right now. I believe there's 30 days in September, yes. So that means tomorrow is October 1st. And what that means for me is Sober October. (laughs) Many of you may listen to Joe Rogan. Um, This is something that I believe he started uh, with a group of his friends um, about four or five years ago. But the concept is to take the month of October and to demand sobriety from yourself for the entire month. It's something that I did last year and I followed along with them doing last year. And it's something that at the end of that month, I learned to, I grew to value that experience. Because it's actually one of the first times I started to apply these philosophies in my life. It's about a year ago. To really apply them and to work hard on it. And it started with Sober October. And so, if you are sitting here listening right now, and you're feeling lost, or you're feeling like you need something, you need a hill to climb, or you need something to focus on. The chaos is too much. There's too much outside of your control that is making you feel out of control. Here's your way to seize it back. Join me this month, starting tomorrow on the 1st. Cast away those things that you're using as crutches. Take those things out of your life. Choose to. Because you have that control. What I hope you find, if you have the courage and the strength to follow with me through this month, is that you are strong enough, like I've been saying, to face down the hurdles, the impediments in your way. And that if you want to show yourself, if you want to demonstrate to yourself that what Marcus Aurelius is talking about is true, you can. Follow along with me. We'll do it together. So what does it mean, sober October? Sobriety. Well, it doesn't only mean no drinking. (laughs) It means whatever sobriety is for you. Now that question's hard to answer sometimes. Because we'll hide the things that we use as vice from ourselves. So what it means is, when I said, we're going to do Sober October here, the first things you thought of, the sinking feeling you got when you said, oh, I want to do that, but oh, I can't do that. <laughs> what were you thinking about when you, when you were thinking, I can't give that up? Whatever that was. That's what you're giving up. That's the impediment. 
It's where your fear lies. It's behind the fear. So that's what you give up. Whatever you're afraid of giving up in this next month, I want you to affirm within yourself that you can walk away from those things. You can give them up. That you are the warrior. That you're not going to run away anymore. That it is a time where you can't run away anymore. You have to put on your armor and if you grab your, your sword and your shield and you have to turn around and you have to slay that fucking dragon. And you're going to do it now. You're going to do it with me. We're going to do it together. I hope you join me. I'll be checking in uh, as often as I can. I want to do it fairly often so that you have some sort of guiding light in this because it's also a difficult process for me. I'm I'm going to be giving up things just like you. Like I said in the previous episode, I've been struggling with cigarettes. That's something I'm going to be giving up completely, nicotine in general, again. Now, that's a hurdle I've already overcome in some ways, and I don't think it's going to be as big of a hurdle for me this time, but I don't know that. Because it is something that I'm afraid of giving up. I'm giving it up. What's the other thing? Well, I do live in Nevada. Weed is legal here, and I do enjoy it. It's one of the things that I've always struggled with is marijuana has a way of relaxing me. I use it as vice often when I'm stressed. And honestly, recently I've been using it more than I would like. Because of that, I'm going to give that up too. Drinking is not something I usually have an issue with or something that I like to impart in very much. But when I try to give things up, things like weed and nicotine... Alcohol becomes a lot more attractive, so I feel a pull towards, oh, just having a beer, or two, or three. Not this month. I'm giving that up, too. I'm giving up bad food. I'm not going to put crap inside of me. I'm going to honor myself. What I've been gifted, this life, this being, this experience, this physical body, I'm not going to dishonor it anymore by putting crap into it. That includes the vices, it includes bad food, it includes bad content, bad energies. Individuals, like I was saying before, that want you to suffer with them. I'm giving all those up. That's what I'm giving up. I'm giving up procrastination. When I see something that needs to be done, when I see chaos in my world, it's a very good habit to get into. Looking for chaos in your individual world. You'll see it if you look for it. It's everywhere. I'm not going to walk by that chaos. I'm not going to procrastinate. If there's clothes on the floor, I'm going to pick them up when I see them. If there's dishes that need to be done, they're going to be done when I see them. Those kind of trivial things are important. That trivial form of chaos is how you develop, the, that's how you habituate the perception of it. Is by practicing it on a trivial level. And so those are the things I'm going to give up. Those are the things I'm going to strive for in myself in this next month. And I hope that you, listening to this, are going through the things in your head right now as I'm talking through them identifying what they are, what you need to give up to be the thing you know you can be and to identify them, to lay them out so you see them before we start this tomorrow that you see exactly what you're giving up and you tell yourself why you're giving them up. Those are very important steps. Identifying the problem and saying why it's the problem. And then choosing to take control over it. No more. I'm not doing this anymore. Let's do this. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was invigorating for you. It was for me. And I'm going to be back on here soon. Talking through some of the struggles that we are going to experience on this road. It is hard to do this. But I promise you, if you're diligent, and you believe in yourself... You believe that there's something better for you out there. You want to see what the way, the path that you need to walk looks like? Let's go take a look. 
Until next time, this is the Unfounded Podcast signing off. Bye-bye.